0: Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl
1: Comic Club Podcast. It's time to eat nuts and kick butts. I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie.
2: I'm Jim. I have been and always will be Kurt's dad.
1: <laughs> Excellent. We are here at another roundtable uh, discussion for the Crimson Cow Comic Club. We have no selected club picks, whether it be Dark Knight's Metal, um, whether it be the upcoming Avengers event, things that we normally talk spoilers on. So this is going to be an entire non-spoiler section. So if anyone listening right now uh, are going to be pitch some books that we've all uh, selected, that we've been enjoying and reading. I'm going to kick it off with The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 27. This is the Marvel Legacy uh, jump on point for Squirrel Girl. Over the last couple of years, this character, who has been around for like 25 years or so, uh, her character's gotten very important um, when it comes to the popularity and the mainstream audience of her getting her own book, and it's... Uh, it's a straight up comedy book. Um a lot of people can kind of go into this and not know what to expect obviously with the name Squirrel Girl, a girl who has the was born with the powers of a squirrel as well as of a girl and uh her catchphrase being, you know, it's time to, you know, eat nuts and kick butts. Um I've been reading this off and on. I've met the creators at conventions and everything and just due to the ongoing list of uh so many different titles, um what drew me back into this is that Silver Surfer was part of the covers and part of the story. There was a Legacy cover that I got too that uh, mimicked. Shocked. It's so, <laughs> so weird, <shocked>. right? <laughs> so the fact that Squirrel Girl and Silver Surfer kind of coming together in this comic, but this series launched with a very important story, in where Squirrel Girl was the one to beat Galactus, and that was like what kicked off her volume of uh, comics here, and. Uh, and I would tell you what that is, even though it was a couple of years ago, but this issue kind of brings back that concept um, because there's an alien planet full of squirrels that uh, know that the Galactus is coming to their planet and they're like, well, we have to get Squirrel Girl, we have to reach Earth. To figure out from her the information on what she used to beat Galactus. And if you're a first-time reader to the book, you know it's it's left as a mystery, even though, like I said, it was something that happened, you know, like two or three years ago. And when they tried to reach Squirrel Girl, they accidentally teleport her best friend Nancy and Squirrel Girl's uh partner Toe. So now those two have gone missing and Squirrel Girl is set out to find them not knowing that Galactus is coming to uh you know take over this uh, alien squirrel planet. Um so yeah that's the setup for this issue like I said very comedy based um there's not a lot of like history when it comes to like Marvel comics that you know I think anyone can just read Squirrel Girl without anything else of the Marvel universe and still enjoy it. And if there's anything that's related to an event or anything like this book doesn't cross over to that. And if they mention it, it's always done in a comedic kind of wrap up kind of humor. Like, so it's a pretty, pretty good book. That's a, that's a, a good jump on point for anyone to get into Marvel comics. But yeah, so this, uh, this kickoff issue got me to uh, subscribe to her once again. And then uh, and I'm in the mood for, more comedy again. So it's always good to have that when you get some dark books in there and then it's good to see like a, like a squirrel girl book, uh, be thrown in there to kind of lighten up the mood every once in a while. So, so yeah, that one I very much enjoyed.
0: Okay. So action comics. Surprise. Number surprise. surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Because uh, Superman is my silver Surfer. Uh, Okay, and uh, yeah, I I didn't intend to go into this talking about this specific issue, Um, although it it is kind of a cool issue to talk about, and I'll get into that for a few reasons, but uh, the one reason that I wanted to bring this up is because I wanted to reiterate with the popularity, you know, people uh, being interested in Doomsday Clock, uh, what's going on in Action Comics seems to be kind of this other side to this. This is... While, while Doomsday Clock is going to tackle things that are going on a year from now in the DC Universe, um, this is kind of leading up to it as far as Superman goes.
1: So action has become like a prequel series so, in a way.
0: Yes, even though it's going on at the same time, it's almost like the prequel <laughs> series to uh, Doomsday Clock. Um because just the uh the things that are going on there, there's some, some mysterious uh forces or beings at play here. And while they haven't come directly out and said, you know, who these people are, you know, it's uh pretty much everybody thinks, you know, it's uh you know Dr. Manhattan behind the whole thing. Which really you could say that about the, the DC universe as a whole, but in story it, it really affects what's going on with Superman uh, in the Action Comics title. Um, not so much so in the uh, the other the Superman title. Um, kind of the interesting thing about number 993 here is it has Superman uh, going back in time. Not to interfere with anything, not to change anything, but just to witness something for himself. Because there's this event that uh, the records of this event, the the destruction of Krypton, somebody's gone and um, messed with all the records on it so that he can't go and verify something that he's trying to find out. Um, so he uh, borrows Flash's Cosmic Treadmill to to go back in time. Uh, meanwhile, Booster Gold knows that something's going on with time. And so he goes to stop Superman from traveling back, but... Gets there a moment too late. Um, and then it then follows them oh, through. But um, <coughs> the interesting thing is just from the cover, um, not that our listeners can see this cover, but you have the word balloon and stuff. things that you don't get a lot of in comic book covers these days where it used to be uh, really popular. You get covers that would have things like mm-hmm. this. So this gives it. Uh, a feel that's very much, uh, there's almost a Silver Age feel to this without, mm-hmm. with it still being uh, modern. And uh, and so if you're you're a fan of any of that Silver Age type of stuff, I, I think that you would enjoy what they're doing right here. It's probably going to continue, I would suspect, over the next few issues with this team up with Booster Gold. And um, I'm not positive, but I. Th- I think this is actually Booster Gold's first appearance in comics since Rebirth.
1: Yeah, I don't. They,
0: they were using him. They were using him in New Fifty Two. Um, International Justice, yeah, Justice League, League, right? International. Okay, and then uh, and then after that, then he was used in was it Justice League uh, Gold Three Thousand or whatever it was a future mm-hmm. thing. Yeah where it was supposed to be Booster Gold and Ted Cord Blue Beetle from pre-New 52 continuity. But I believe this is actually his first um, post-rebirth appearance. Um, so again, if, uh, if you're interested in what's going on with Doomsday Clock and you kind of want to get that other side of things, um, or if you are interested in so the Silver Age stuff but kept in a, in a, a more of a modern setting and everything, Um, this is definitely a title and a time to check it out.
1: Plus, the series itself is uh, leading up to, uh, I think, a March release of issue number 1,000, which will be a pretty big milestone for comics. Yeah, it'll be the first comic
0: that has reached uh, 1,000.
1: So, Mm -hmm.
3: All right, so I brought in uh, John Carpenter's Tales of Science Fiction today. Um, This is... Uh, the Vortex series, so kind of a thing about this uh, larger series. Uh, John Carpenter, filmmaker, is kind of the patron of it. Uh, the whole thing is called Tales of Science Fiction, and then there's uh, different story arcs within that. So the first one uh, premiered this fall. It was called Vault, and um, in Vault, uh, it's set obviously sometime in the future. Space travel, exploration, and corporatization is now the norm. Um, nothing special there. So we have a group of, uh, I think it was NASA-sponsored scientists that are out in space doing science and other things, and they come upon a derelict spaceship that looks really scary, and, um, you know, they're going to go and explore it, and as they're docking, they see a uh, an English poem actually inscripted on this alien ship, you know, there's alien writing everywhere else, but above the doorway we have a very dark, mysterious poem in English. I want to say it was Dickinson, but I could be wrong on that. Anyway, so they go in. We as the reader know right away that they should not have done that. So <laughs> they, um, they run into mysteries and terror and what happened to the last crew and what is going to happen to us now on this ship because we are stuck on this ship. So that was Vault. That was a, a three-issue series. I have with me uh, Vortex. So of Vortex, there are two issues out right now. Uh, Let's see, so Vortex is written by Mike Sizemore, and the art is by Dave Kennedy, and then it's based on a story that uh, John Carpenter had written, and uh, I don't know a ton about Vortex yet, but it's really cool if you are a fan of, you know, John Carpenter films, or you like things like Alien and Prometheus, um, because it's definitely science fiction horror. Um, We have very, um, you know, dark, stylized art in some of the pages. Uh, I kind of like how they draw space, And uh, seeing gore in space is kind of interesting, (laughs) I don't know why, (laughs) Um, but the first book had some really stylized art. Um, I would say it's definitely for adult readers, they do get some kind of um, strong language in there, so maybe not for the younger sci-fi horror fan, but it's pretty cool. Um, I thought Vault had, you know, a more interesting story, and uh, for me it definitely left a lot of mystery, and uh, I'm excited to see where Vortex goes, so...
1: So under the different uh, arcs, uh, but it all has <coughs> the same title yes. of the. And are they connected story-wise, or are they just kind of do like character-wise, or are they oh. completely, like with the first one yeah. you talked about? So okay.
3: Well, good question. So so, so Feels far, like an
1: anthology type. of...
3: Well, it could be. So far, I haven't seen it. Um, like I said, this is we've only like five comics out yet, and I haven't seen any continuity. Um, In a non-spoiler sense, I think it would be really challenging to have continuity from the first series just because of some major events in that. Um, But maybe going forward we will see that, so I'd be interested to find out. Um, And as far as publishing information, it is published by Storm King. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Try and give it a shot. All
4: right. Okay. um, I have brought in um, Coyotes, number one, and number two just was released this week. Coyotes is a, I would say it's a near-future post-apocalyptic world um, in a setting that's not completely clear. It could be the Mexican desert, it could be the American Southwest, it could be Los Angeles. Um, The characters range from, you know, a white um, American-type detective to uh, a young Mexican girl who lost her parents or lost her mother and sister. And... She she and her friend are taken in by uh, a group of women in what they call the City of Lost Girls, and she has started her sort of of coming-of-age ceremony, and she is sent alone into the desert um, to bring back the head of a coyote, Mm -hmm. which she will be allowed to join, fully join this group. Um, It's... uh, very stark story, very um the artwork is really, you know, it goes from bright to dark really, really quickly. And then it's very interesting. There's a backup story um dealing with the uh, cop detective who's in here, and this one is all like black and gray shading, and it's all telling about how he arrived on the scene and became involved in the main story
1: and you get a similar i read uh issue two uh, this morning and you get a similar setup where you get a backup story in black and white for one of the characters you just read in that issue so it's kind of a interesting i, I like that format of just to kind of dive yeah. into that
4: i I really did like it and i was glad i ordered it right away so i could keep continue going with it love the covers yeah, yes I mean. awesome. <laughs> cover of the first one is this girl with bloody hands and a. Like a sugar skull makeup with katana strapped to her back and um Um it's written by Sean Lewis Lewis and art by Caitlin Yarsky.
1: Mature readers, uh yes. as well. <laughs> yes. The description of that cover didn't really tell you but, <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well, so
2: me, I brought in a Ragman. It's uh, three issues into a six-issue inchu- six uh, limited series for DC. Um, I just picked it up because I saw the first two issues on the shelf. Nobody seemed to be picking it up. and Also, there have been a number of different um, concepts of Ragman already. We have a movie that was called Ragman about a person who could change their appearance. We've had Ragman in Arrow, the Arrowverse already. Um, so I was wondering, well, what kind of thing are they going with here? And um, certainly not the ragman in the Arrowverse, but it could be his father, from the way the story goes. Um, to not give too many things away, uh, a group of uh, American military people in the in I think it's Afghanistan or Iraq, one of the two. Um, they're really treasure hunters as well. So while they're there, they're trying to find things in uh, in country that they can sell. Um, and they break into a tomb, and they find the big sarcophagus there, so they think this is going to be a, a really big hall. And they break it open, and all there is is rags in there. Um, but then all of the soldiers start to scream, except one who's trying to find his way out of the tomb, who's fleeing. And the rest of the soldiers are telling him, Run, run, you know, get out of here. Um, And then the story picks up with him back in America undergoing treatment for um, post traumatic stress syndrome. Um, And
1: uh, we're just adding another David to the table. Yes, we're adding another David to the table. everybody.
2: Hi. And he's just dealing with that until suddenly. Some demonic forces attack him, and suddenly these rags come out of his body and surround him. And we find out that these are the rags that were in the chest. That's all that was in the chest when they found it. Um, But now they are a part of his being, and they come forth and help him fight against the demonic forces. Um, And there's these demons believe he doesn't have a right to these to these powers, and so they're trying to take him away. And um, The one interesting twist in the book is that um, for the powers of the cloak of rags that he's wearing to work, they have to run off the power of the souls that the rags have absorbed. And so he hears the voices of his friends as he's going through all this. They're telling him how to battle off the demons and things. But we find out if he pushes too far he will negate their souls, totally use up their souls, and they will disappear. So he's constantly having to decide, do I use the souls I've absorbed, do I not, um, to meet my ends? And then he begins to meet other people in the DC universe. And it's it was much more cosmic and kind of um, interesting than I thought when I first picked it up. And um, especially with the twist of him having to make these difficult decisions about do I use the powers? How far do I push the powers? And how do I absorb my friends <laughs> who are now trapped inside the cloak, their souls to make things happen? Um, all becomes part of the story, the struggle that's in it.
1: Yeah, I've got similar daily problems that yeah, I can kind of remember. <laughs> right a couple of issues out now. Three
2: issues are out now. Yeah, um, so.
0: yeah and i got to say, um, DC has been putting out some interesting... Um, Things like this, you know, you got Ragman, um, Deadman, right. Mister Miracle, those kind of titles where they're taking characters who haven't had their own series or anything for a long period of time, and um, not just introducing them as some side character in in another comic, like oh, you know, well, like what they're doing with Booster <laughs> Gold right here in Action Comics, but actually uh, giving them a chance to shine on their own, and um, and it's been pretty interesting with what they've done with them. All those comics,
2: I think, and I've been reading all of them, have have been very interesting, I think, in how they uh, set them up. And given, you know, not just minor things to these characters, but they're actually facing huge, difficult situations on their own, not just going and beating up guys who are robbing a jewelry (laughs) store. All
1: right. Uh, move over to Gene uh, Grey number 10. Um, I talked about the last time that Gene Grey number 9 was a huge stepping stone into the upcoming uh, Phoenix Resurrection, which is going to be a five issue limited series that begins uh, this month. Um, and then I thought we were jumping right into that series because of that the way that issue was. didn't know there was one more Jean Grey that was happening before that, making this an even more important issue. Um, So I'm very curious to see when uh, the Phoenix Resurrection starts to see how that reads for someone who hasn't been following Jean Grey. Um, Jean Grey's book has been about the young Jean Grey that was ripped from the past into a future where her uh, present self is deceased. And the series follows her being haunted by uh, basically the adult Jean Grey Ghost, as they refer to it, and her trying to uh, prevent the Phoenix Force uh, coming after her and ready to consume her and merge with her. And um, this issue cranks it up to... Uh, I was going to say 11. That'll be the next issue. Cranks it up to 10, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, in and, and David here had uh, flipped through the issue as I was talking about. I made it my pick of the week. Um, and just saying, like, wow, this is a, you know, so you, you could just think like Jean Grey Number Ten, just by the title being like, oh, that doesn't sound important. Just you know, you know, a solo series character, uh, but there's a lot of big stuff that happens in here. And
0: and after flipping through it, um, I I will say that yeah, this is, um, it, I guess, it doesn't really matter if you're if you care about. The younger Jean Grey or not, and just are interested in the resurrection of the original Jean Grey and Phoenix, or if you never really cared about uh, the original Phoenix, sort of you're Green. a newer reader and you like the younger reader. Either way you look at it, I I, I would recommend picking this one up. Uh, this seems like it's going to be important. If you have any interest in in any of those characters, um, you're gonna want to pick this. up. Yeah.
2: uh, I think the interesting thing about the Jean Grey series, too, is that, um, in the all-new X-Men, she was one of the ones who was most determined to stay in this time period.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And now she's reaping the consequences, in some ways, of that decision, more than any of the other um, young X-Men who stayed.
1: Yeah, I was, uh... Not that it wasn't worthy of being, like, my personal <coughs> pick of the week. I just wasn't expecting it when I read it. And I was just like, with all the issues I read prior to it, I was just like, yep, this one deserves it because it has that... It, it, it fueled the uh, excitement uh, for the upcoming resurrection, which most likely I was going to read anyways, whether I was following this series or not. But this has really kind of made me, you know... Wet your appetite. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Lit the fire underneath me to... Uh, checked that out. So yeah, been really digging that series.
0: All right. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> next up, and, uh, and young David might be able to jump in on this one. Um, cause while he hasn't yet read this, this issue, um, I was going to talk about Titans in, in general. Um, right now we're on Titans number 18. Um, but, uh, I wanted to take this, this opportunity to, uh, um, to bring up the the title in general, because I think there's uh, a lot of people that that are still overlooking this as as a book for a long time. Uh, people wanted some of these characters back, and you'd hear about it for uh, for a long long time. That you know, people were complaining that uh, um, well, you didn't have the uh, the original Wally West and, and stuff like that. Um, so for anybody who had an interest in um, those characters, you know, Nightwing, uh, the the Wally West version of Flash or Kid Flash, and um, all those characters. I've got to say, Titans has been um, a really good book. They really focus on the relationship between these characters. Um, you, you get your action and the stories and everything, but there's there's definitely a good focus there on the relationships with these characters, um, and I think you know, just just focusing on their friendship and everything um, was a really great way to do it. Because there's all, all kinds of ways that DC could have brought these characters back. Um, and I, I think that what they've done with them, uh, in my opinion, has has been really good. Um, David, I don't know what you... You've been reading it regularly, and you were never a, a reader of the older stuff yeah. so much. So I'm kind of interested I mean, what... What are you thinking about uh, this title and how it's how it's been? Well actually it's
5: one of my favorite titles I'm getting. I think it's been great and even though um, I didn't know a lot about some of the other characters like I mean Donna Troy I never knew too much about her or uh, uh I'm at a loss for names now. But, um, but one of the other characters... He's yeah, cool one, one of the other characters... <laughs> Aqualad, no, Beast Boy, actually isn't on this one. I was kind of... I was used to a team of Titans with him, and he wasn't in it. Then I found out he was on another team. But um, the way this one's come along, it's just really well-written. And there's been some hiccups with their friendship, but that's what they keep coming back to, is how they keep sticking together. Like uh, Donna Troy, I know her origin has been kind of uh, altered a lot. She's one of those oh, characters yeah. where, uh, <laughs> like Hawkman or Hawkgirl, she's one of those characters in D.C. where um, they just they can't quite decide what they want to do with them. So recently uh, it was changed again, and it kind of has come back in uh, more recent issues. As uh, how she'll basically outlive the rest of her friends. At some point, she's going to keep going, and they're all going to die. And they so, they
0: actually they do focus on that in the current storyline. That's kind of the, the the basis of what's going on in there right now. Yeah. So I don't
5: want to say too much about spoilers because yeah, I walked cause I walked we're, here we're in the middle the spo- here. We're but doing the spoiler is, uh, free right now. So. Up. Yeah, so I don't want to say too much, but they really do a great job of showing how, even though she knows that, I mean, she is going to have to live with that, that someday they'll be gone and she'll still be there. But um, she's still she's still staying with them and she's still friends with them. they're still there for her. So I think it's been great what they've done with it.
0: That's that's pretty much the point that I wanted to drive in is that it's uh I think it's kind of a relationship heavy, but at the same time it's not soap opera relationship. Although comic books, you know, in general, a lot of them can have be, they
4: just brought Donna Troy back in with the Titans title, or was she? I don't remember her in DC. I since... think she
0: was no, she was brought back with with Titans. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Prior to that, they they had. Something with Titans before the ongoing and I believe she
4: was in there. There was a short one called Titans Hunt. It was about the same time as um The Rebirth came okay. out. Right before rebirth they had the Titans hunt. And that was that and was then, probably it. And the rebirth when um Wally came back and then they started this Titans title, which I haven't been reading, but I was wondering if um,
0: but yeah, she comes back right at that Probably. time because cause with the story that they did before the ongoing Titans title came on, the only member of this team I think that wasn't present was Wally West because he was brought back and reintroduced to the world um, in Rebirth. Um, so so that one uh, event that happened prior to Rebirth, he wasn't present, but the rest of this team was, and that's kind of where they started realizing they they there was something that triggered these memories that they started remembering things and realizing that they had known each other before, whereas the New 52 had done away with their prior relationships and they had never been a team and everything. And so they remembered somehow that they were. And they all came back, um, came back together. And then, of course, with Rebirth, uh, Wally West came back and they realized he was kind of that final missing piece of their puzzle. Um, and that's kind of how the Titans title kicks off, is them remembering each other and rebuilding those relationships. And um, with Aqualad and Omen, those
5: two names I was trying to think of before.
1: I'll um, I'll clip that into the earlier so it made it look like... (laughs) Nobody will know the difference. Do a little voiceover. And then I'll delete this part talking about that. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, well. Go ahead. Aqualad and...
5: So I really didn't know anything about them honestly. Um, and with Omen, I don't, I'm do not i not so sure if she was on the original team, or if
0: that was kind of there No, way. but I think she came I think she's around earlier than, than a lot of people who weren't real familiar with it think of. Um, because I didn't even really know anything about her. And then I did, I read up on something, and it turns out I think she was a character that was introduced um, surprisingly early on. Um, but she wasn't one of the original Titans. Although the original Titans, I think there were only three of them at the very beginning. Was it just... Uh, it's Wally West, uh, Robin, who's Aqualad, and...
2: Reason. Wasn't Donna Troy pretty Wonder much? Wonder Girl. Yeah, Wonder maybe, Girl. not right the
0: Yeah, there's somebody that you think of as being one of the originals that, that actually that was, wasn't, but they came around. Yeah. Uh, shortly after. Oh,
2: and um, Speedy.
0: Yeah, one of those... It was pretty early on. Because
2: the original Teen Titans concept was these were all sidekicks um, to main heroes, and they were trying to move out of the shadow of whoever their sidekick was, whoever their main character they were with was. And so that's... The basic beginning of the Teen Titans, right, and
0: and that's who these characters are. That's in Titans. It's all those characters and Omen.
4: Was
1: Arsenal in that one, now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, move over to the Amazing Spider-Man number seven ninety-two, which is part two. Part two of, of Venom. Eight. So you have
2: to read Venom, and I'm not sure what it's, the number it's is. It's like
1: well, it's Amazing Spider-Man slash Venom. Like Alpha Inc. Right. number one. Right. It has a confusing title. This is one of those where it starts off in a one shot book, leads into, into a Spider Man the book, nope. then goes into Venom, Spidey, Venom, uh, we're and then it would cross over for a while yeah. then.
2: For I think, wow, well, six yeah. issues counting. Yeah, yeah. Um fact, the, the interesting thing is this book takes you into some questions that if you've been thinking about it for a while, should be questions that you might be wondering about. <laughs> like, The Venom symbiote now has been controlled by at least four or five different people. So who really has the right and the control of the symbiote? Part of that is what's being played out in this now. Um, You know, Eddie Brock wants to claim it. Um, Flash Thompson wants to claim it.
1: Whether it's being used as bad or good. Right. Spider-Man wants to kill it.
2: (laughs) A lot of different opinions. (laughs) One other character I can't remember his name. Who, it wasn't a time when I was following it as close, but he was a criminal who was also tied to the symbiote. Now has
0: well, well, is is Matt Gargan
2: in the looter? The looter, yeah, the looter, or no, it wasn't the looter. It's the guy who's running the looter. Um, It's yeah, Matt Gargan also had it at one time and is in this whole mix of people. um, uh, Let's see, Lee Price. Lee Price has also had the symbiote. Yeah, I know the name. So all these people have been attached to it, and this book is kind of tracing, okay, what's going to happen now that all these people are connected up with the symbiote? Who's going to control it? How are they going to control it? Lee Price seems to have a little piece of it and is using it to create all kinds of new symbiotes out in the world. Um, Eddie Brock and Flash are fighting over it. Uh, (laughs) Spider-Man's trying to get rid of it. Uh, So you... It It's interesting because this should have, you know, I, I didn't really think about this, but this is a place where you're going to eventually get when you have a creature that forms a symbiotic relationship with whoever is using it. If you have a number of people, then who is the person it's most attuned hmm. to? Um, and that's all being played out now in, in this series, and it makes for a really interesting, I think, um, mix of things. And we get anti venom back, which is kind of an interesting um, mix of things that are in here too. So, um, there's (laughs) a
1: lot of moving parts, a lot of characters, and it's fun to just keep that. The action is very fast paced, as far as like cutting back to everyone's story. Got Black Cat and her gang of villains that are also have a. Interesting association, association with, with the
2: whole thing so um. yeah,
1: there's a lot of moving parts so,
0: with the number of moving parts as you put it in There is it is it one of those things where there's too much because sometimes you get a book and it feels like just too much um, Or if they done a pretty good job of incorporating all these things uh, There's been a few pieces they've left out and I'm hoping as we move forward in the series we
2: will um, Get some idea of how these things are happening like how did Lee Price get the powers he's got now? Because the actual symbiote is somewhere else, but Lee Price has symbiotic powers and can also pass it on to anyone else he comes into contact with. Um, so where did, how did he get these powers? That really wasn't made clear in the um, in the opening segment of Venom: and hasn't really come to into the picture yet, but. Um, so there are missing pieces right now, but I think they can fill that in. I don't think there's too many, um, maybe too much for Spider-Man to handle.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I've never, I've never been much of a Venom reader. I've never purchased his book before. So having said that, with all those kind of characters, uh, to me, I wasn't at all confused, even though those names weren't recognizable to me. Um, I, so I think, yeah, the way it's kind of just paced and back and forth, it's, yeah. You know, no. With, you know, with those questions you said that are left unanswered yet, but for the most part, you know, I'm following everything that's happening, and and then, you know, next week I'll be buying my first ever issue of Venom. Okay. So, And you get a
2: different view of some of the characters, too. Characters that you were probably not sympathetic at all to now, you get a kind of sympathetic view of. Um, characters that you might have thought were really, you know, have a positive view of, there's a side of them that you may not be so.
1: <laughs> and then see better, so <laughs> And uh, seated in the issue that came before this, you see, uh, you know, Flash Thompson and Peter Parker. Uh, you see their kind of relationship, and then that extends to Flash Thompson and Spider-Man, where you know Flash doesn't know that Peter, Peter is Spidey. Is Spider-Man. <laughs> so you just kind of see this, and like you had said too, where Spider-Man wants to kill this thing, and you know, Flash did good with it, with being part of, you know, the Guardians, and, um, helping out and stuff, so there's a, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of good stuff, and with Spidey in here, I think the reader can almost be on his pace of, like, because he's just trying to piece this all together himself, so, and all this is Messing with his job and some other stuff. Yeah, because he had just gotten this promotion, and then of course there's a, a page or two that just shows you know you got to show up for your job, Peter, <laughs> if you if you want to keep. <laughs> Which was an advertisement also to the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man Annual 41, because yeah. there was uh, some uh, uh, Betty, Definitely. some Betty stuff in there that related to the job thing. But then they teased you, hey, you want to know more about this? Go buy this other issue that's coming out. So. <laughs> Um, They
2: know how to sell the
1: material. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I highly enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, good stuff. I think we're good, so I'll just close us that out. Us with the news.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now the news. Okay, so today's news. We're talking about. the, the recent merger, which is official and yet not completely a closed deal, but everybody's, I think, at this point expecting that that's going to happen. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, doing some paperwork and getting through it all over the course of the next uh, eight months or so. Um, but uh, for those who have been hiding in a closet and don't know, uh, Disney uh, just acquired Century, or 21st Century Fox. Um, well, most of it, not, not all of it, not the, uh, not the sports and the news and things like that. Um, but, uh, Disney, uh, made that acquisition and so fans are rejoicing, rejoicing for the most part, um, you know, because, uh, this, this gives Marvel most of their characters back, um. In fact, uh I'm not sure who they don't really have besides uh the, the Spider-Man related whims, but they've been able to work with Sony in order to use those, so that's not as big of an issue as it was, you know, just a few years ago.
1: And then the same thing with Hulk, even though they can use them in, you know, character films, they can't, you know, there's
0: There's uh that is they've got Hulk and can use him, but I believe it's universal yeah, has so. like yeah. the distribution rights and whatever mm-hmm. uh for anything that he would actually have his name on. But yeah, so, for the
1: most part pretty much everything else
4: in Marvel characters is back in, the, in into their home back realm. in the fold. <laughs> Comicbook.com has got a cute little graphic about who owns what <laughs> nice. and who has rights and yeah.
0: So, um but the the interesting thing kind of goes beyond that, you know. Because it's fun to sit here and speculate on the different ways that um, Marvel can now integrate the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and all those characters. Silver Surfer. Yes, and <laughs> Silver Surfer <was that>? <laughs> into the uh, MCU, um, which uh, you know they're, they're going to do. I'm sure they're not going to take forever to do it. Um, it. I mean, they've got things that are finalized and whatever and set in motion. That you know they're they're not going to change at this point, but I don't think it's going to be terribly long before we see um, a little bit more name dropping and things and hints and and finally start to see some of these characters uh, getting getting used.
1: Yeah, we're not going to see like Wolverine show up on Agents of Shield next week, but probably within a year, year and a half, we'll probably see some some stuff coming through. So, and that's yeah. the first thing right there. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. That's what we should have before we get spoiler, spoiler, alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. Alert. Yeah, and it
2: does take a while for all this to go through. I didn't at the recent Star Wars film. One of the one of the people I was with noticed as of the end of this film, Walt Disney has rights all rights to Star Wars. So that means even when they were producing the last couple films. The deal wasn't totally worked out (laughs) yet. Yeah,
1: and there's a lot of, when it comes to the legality of things, while, you know, like you said, us fans are just wanting to see these characters. There's a lot more to that. Yeah, and and even even with Star Wars,
0: um, even with the Disney Lucasfilm deal and whatever, that going through, um, there were certain rights that they didn't have. Um, When it came to the original trilogy, Fox... Had had rights to that, you know. So, um, so if you saw Star Wars uh, on TV or whatever, you know, that was that was Fox is doing. Um, the uh, but now they got that. <laughs> but now, now they have those rights. So, um, and and I don't know why Fox wouldn't do it. I don't know what the deal was there. But uh, long time Star Wars fans have really been wanting um, the original trilogy released like the original cut without George Lucas's uh redone things, you know, with without the young Anakin Force Ghost. They want like the that.
1: unspecial editions. Yes, the unspecial editions. <laughs> which those...
3: will now be re-released as special editions. So. <laughs> the, the special, special unspecial, un-special editions. <laughs> um,
0: so so you know this gives Disney the opportunity to to do that and why why wouldn't they at this point i mean cuz what a great way to get you know millions of people to buy the original trilogy on blu-ray and stuff like that again is to put out the version that they really want yeah
1: i've so, said i was going to buy that movie you know till the end of time because i own so <laughs> many different versions whether it be dvd blu-ray digital special unspecial uncut you know all that stuff yeah. so while we might miss
0: things like hanma boogie on my boogie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it it would be interesting to to get that original version. Uh and then people start realizing just how much Disney gets right now. Um there's memes out there that you can find all over the internet, things like, you know, uh the the aliens one. We're saying, you know, the, the alien queen can now be an official <laughs> Disney princess. Oh, there we go. Yep, so, that's uh, right. Uh, and uh because yeah, they'll have uh the the alien properties, predator Um, things like that there's there's a lot of things to take into consideration and then you start going okay well what will Marvel get to do as far as comic books Mm -hmm. Um, right now you get predator comics who's who's doing predator David you've been reading that what what, what Uh, that'll be Dark Horse Dark Horse Horse right now yeah because they've been doing it for for a long time but will that change the rights I'm sure that Dark Horse has some sort of a deal in place so they might not automatically get to do it.
1: So when Marvel got Star Wars back, there was a year of Dark Horse that they got yeah. to pretty much wrap everything up. So most likely it would be a similar does mm-hmm. um, Dark Horse just keep being the <laughs> getting. <laughs> the loser the, em- but, yeah, yeah. but
0: but will we now have <laughs> yeah. you know uh you know Spider Man versus Predator? <laughs> I wanna see uh, that. You yeah. know, Guardians of the galaxy versus alien, you know, which, yeah. which yeah. we we talked about uh earlier in the week as being, you know, that would be a great film idea. Put, uh, put some going to own the X-Files,
3: too? Because then Mulder yeah. and Scully can investigate all this weird alien yeah, that's stuff right. that's been X, happening. X-Files,
1: <laughs> X- X-Files, Avatar, um, yeah, there's a yes, lot. Yes, they've,
0: they've now officially changed Fox Mulder's name to Disney Mulder. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, oh now it makes sense. <laughs> What well, was it? They had the, a uh, modern
2: one of those modern rap battles between like Stan Lee and uh, and I think it was like Tolkien or something about who was the greatest writer and at the end they had Walt Disney come in and say, Well, I don't know. I own both of your stuff. Who <laughs> <laughs> <He> wins? <laughs>
3: well, on a serious note, this is actually something I've brought up in other discussions because naturally with the release of you know the release the release of Star Wars people are, you know, talking, do they love or hate what Disney is doing with it right now. And I have been bringing up that, you know, Disney is not just a film company or, you know, a creative company. They're really now in the business of trading intellectual properties, making them almost like a brokerage company. So I feel like when we start talking about these things as fans and creative people, it's really easy to get attached to what you love. And in fact, of course you should, but when you back out next, you know, For me, it puts it in a larger context of, oh, why are they doing this, you know, or why aren't they doing this? That, remember, it's not about me and the characters and necessarily about the fans. It's really about business and, you know, who owns what and money, essentially.
2: Yeah, and uh, even in seeing the new Star Wars film, I have to say that some of the stuff, I, I, and I'm not knocking the film because I really liked it, Mm -hmm. but there was a lot in there that I could see, yeah, this is about marketing something. Yeah. Out to the public once those films release, you know, and and I wonder about that sometimes. Do we lose quality of of products that are you know films that are released when the overall point of the company is we just want to make as much money off this stuff as we can? <laughs> but we have to make back that fifty-two it? billion. Yeah.
0: But with the amount of uh, merchandising <laughs> that that George Lucas. Always was raking in the dough on oh, yeah. is it naive to say that he wouldn't he wasn't doing it, you know, with with his version. I never got I always got the impression with
2: George Lucas that he did the film he wanted to. And yes, marketing came out of that, but the mm-hmm. first priority was to produce a film that he wanted to produce. And then if any Whether marketing came out of that, like that was fine. Yeah. Um but I I felt a little bit more in some of the stuff that's and and again it doesn't make the movie bad or anything else, but there were some pieces in there that I went. this is there purely for the marketing it's not adding to the film in incredible ways um, this is a
3: <laughs> are you gonna go and buy it now?
1: I'm probably well I, one of them <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I have a couple porgs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
4: a, 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 yeah, the porgs, oh, you know, that's pretty hogs. much, let's sell some of these out
2: there.
4: <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet, but just from the ad campaign, I was like, yep, people are going to be buying that. Well, you crazy. do see porgs
2: on pretty much everything right now. You, know, I'm kinda like you know, one of us, I think, when we left the film commented, uh, somebody loves little animals
4: who's <laughs> a part of the production team, because there are a fair number of them in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get the new version of the Ewoks <laughs>
1: and then talking about like the future of these properties Fantastic Four, X-Men and also Deadpool, one thing that we have gotten for a confirmation um, most likely just like Spider-Man with recasting Tom Holland as Spidey to disassociate themselves from Sony's movies in which Marvel Disney had nothing to do with most likely that'll be the move they're going to take for Fantastic Four the X-Men But there's one specific character uh, that made quite a bit of money two years ago that would be a backlash. Everyone's for this, basically, uh, for, you know, character, you know, uh, uh, being selfish of wanting these characters. But if they recast this one character, they're probably going to get backlash. And I'm talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. Don't touch my Deadpool. Just leave it. And we have a confirmation. Uh, Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, says, As long as we let the audiences know what's coming, we think we can manage that fine when it comes to producing an R-rated Deadpool. Because everyone thinks, you know, well, if Disney bought it, then now it's going to be watered down, it's going to be PG, PG PG-13, whatever. But um, a couple years ago when Deadpool made the success over at Fox, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige had said, They're never ruling out an R-rated MCU film. Just in their current slate, that's not the tone that they have. Right. But now when they have a character such as Deadpool who whose comics are very PG-13 so like I mean the movie can exist it's a PG-13 if it really needed to. Obviously it just gives you know, a little more entertainment when there's no, you know, censors and mm-hmm. you know, uh, holding them back. But in this world where you can simply uh, continue on with Deadpool, he had name dropped Ryan Reynolds being an important mm-hmm. thing knowing that that's the one character that has a loophole into existing in different studios movies to come over to here, um, you know, that they would be able to keep that casting and not, you know, disassociate themselves from that movie because Deadpool is the one person you can get away doing that with. Yeah. yeah. And, and
0: that's pretty much the one, uh, the one character, the one movie thing where Disney said, yes, we are, we are going to do that. Um, the rest of them, they've at this point said we're going to look at what's Fox has slated and look at them one by one and see what we want to do with them. They've, so yep. it, it, it's still a little bit up in the air, but you know they're at least making it seem as though they're going to consider it. I mean, they've they've got a lot out there that's uh, being worked on. Fox really does have a lot that's slated. Some of them. Uh, will likely be seen before uh, you know this whole deal is finalized. In this um, coming
1: year, we have New Mutants, Deadpool two, and the Dark Phoenix movie that are made and done and ready to go.
4: And the first Deadpool movie was so loosely tied to the X Men that yeah. it's not going to affect any of the X Men stuff by not recasting him along with the rest of them. That's a good point. Right. That that... The only thing that they really have to look at is which characters has
0: been have we now used in um the Deadpool movies and are we okay with that version that is now the MCU version? Um so are we okay with that's now the MCU version of cable and domino and you know other characters that they've used. Uh
1: and then if they keep Cable into this uh, new MCU version, then uh, Josh Brolin has two jobs as Thanos and Cable in the same world. So I think everything's working out great for
4: him at least. Yeah. So. Yay for employment. So there could good. be a Johnny Storm and Captain America. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
3: I feel like maybe it's like the power of meme magic or whatever, we just collectively gather our intentions. Eventually we will make that happen
2: by bringing it up.
1: They need to just bring back the what ifs for Marvel Comics and just take all these ideas and at least do them as comic form if they're not going to do it on the big screen, so yeah.
2: Well, and I think I think Fox did a favor to this whole thing by doing the um, Logan film, because in some ways, that by taking it into the future, everybody's gone. you know you
1: have basically just a couple characters left.
2: You, you kind of closed the book on that.
1: 20 years yeah. they've been yeah. playing with that world. So. you know. So they,
2: they made an effort, I think, to close the book so that now when um, Walt Disney reintroduces it, that'll be okay. Because we've all seen now the cycle that Fox was doing with it. We're not going to feel... Even people who really loved it all aren't going to feel disappointed by that.
0: And, uh, well, Marvel's also recently um, introduced the uh the idea of the multiverse
2: um
0: in the movies and uh um and agents of shield has recently mm-hmm. uh mentioned it. Um uh, so that that's another way of getting around things. I don't think that they're going to continue the X Men stuff as is and just say, oh it's it exists no. in the multiverse. I think they're gonna bring in the regular MCU thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, that might not necessarily say That didn't exist, you know, and say that to all the fans, you you know, maybe that is just part of the multiverse now.
2: Well, they really haven't with any of the stuff they've kind of restarted out. They've just done it, and nobody's been particularly (laughs) excited about it.
0: Right, and and you'd mentioned uh, Chris Evans, you know, uh, Chris Evans had joked about uh, doing. Human Torch now. Well, on top of that, now Michael Chiklis, who played the Thing yeah. in uh, in the first two Fox versions of the Fantastic Four, has now basically said that he's interested in being the Thing again. Yeah. So we're all
1: so now we're all just watching Jessica Alba's tweets and seeing if she's talking about it. But she's in the Invisible Woman, so it's a little harder to follow her yeah. her stance on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things um, like that that could we'll come from this. Anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's all up in the air. We've got a long time to to wait, and I'm sure we're going to get little bits of information uh, here and there as we go along. Uh, they're not going to keep fans completely in the dark, but of course, they've got a lot to figure out. Um, although some of it they might have mapped out, as uh, Anthony has mentioned a couple of times uh, in in some of these conversations. Um, that uh, they've had in the past, you know, kind of plan A and plan B.
1: Yeah, with, with the Spider-Man movie, knowing that they were working on a deal to cooperate with Sony, they said, well, here's what Captain America Civil War and beyond leading up to Avengers Infinity War looks like if we have Spider-Man to play with. Here's what it looks like if that falls through and we don't get him. And, you know, when they acquired Spider-Man, that bumped back uh, Captain Marvel, Black Panther... Uh, with the success of the Ant-Man movie, they wanted to rush in another sequel before it was you know, too late for that as well. So my guess is then them discussing about purchasing Fox probably wasn't something that they just thought about last week, being like, oh, that would be fun. Most likely at the beginning of the year, if not even two years ago, that's probably been some you know yeah. closed-door <laughs> news. And if Kevin Feige knew that, most likely they probably had this plan. He has said that There's another 20 films, at least, in this Marvel-connected universe that they're doing. Um, And he and maybe one other person has a map through 2030 on this timeline. And my guess is that part of that timeline is someday we may be able to at least get the Fantastic Four because of their failure at the recent box office. Don't know if they were going to get X-Men, but now with the acquiring the entire company... Now they may be able to go off on that path and be like, all right, well, here's the time when the mutants were expected to come in based off of this. And for someone that, you know, they've been telling the Infinity War story and building it up for 10 years and knowing that they have another 10 years worth of 20-plus movies, my guess is that they already know exactly where all these things are going to plop into place, whether it be because everyone's wondering, okay, did mutants exist this entire time, or is it going to be a new thing, which you had kind of said we're talking about the other day?
0: Right, you know, there's a couple of different ways that they can go about it. They can um, either say it, mutants have existed, but maybe, you know, it hasn't been this widely known thing, um, which is really, when you think about X-Men in the comics, that's kind of how it played out, the original X-Men. You know, you had Professor X, you had Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Angel, Iceman. That was your team of X-Men, and they would go out and they would seek out mutants. It's not like they could go all over the place and there's just mutants all over the place to choose from to recruit to the school. They had to go out and search them. They used Cerebro and uh, and found them. But you know, mutants had existed for years before then. Uh, Charles Xavier, you know, and Magneto, they'd been around for a long time. Later on in the comic books, you get introduced to characters like Apocalypse who'd been around for thousands of years as a mutant. Um, So while in comics, mutants had been around for years and years and years, um, most of them kind of laid low, kept to themselves, did their own thing, and it wasn't a widely known about thing until uh, the 60s, I guess, um, when when that started uh, coming out. And, you know, the movies... uh, that universe could do it the same way where they just slowly start mentioning. Because even now, you know, they could easily throw a, a, just throw away line into a movie that's coming out with the next couple of years, you know, mentioning a mutant or something like that. They could start dropping these little things to establish that it has, in fact, been going on. The other way that they could do it is to have some sort of event that kicks off mutants. Uh, whether it's some sort of cosmic event, um, which could easily happen uh, up here with with the next couple of Avengers movies, or or something else where um, they have an event that brings mutants into the universe.
1: And going off of that, because they already have proof of that with the Inhumans, we were talking about that the other day, where they've made many movies and an entire season of S.H.I.E.L.D. before they ever... Mention the term of the inhumans who've yeah. been around you know basically you know forever and uh so that's a way too to kind of back up that uh that idea that you know mutants have been out there and more currently on the hulu exclusive show for marvel is the runaways mm-hmm. and molly hayes a character from the comic books um a young mutant uh with super strength Um, for the Hulu show that's going on right now, legally, they can never say mutant. They have all of her same powers, but they've never said anything, whether she's an inhuman, whether she's enhanced, they've never explained anything about that six episodes in so far, but you know, if they get a season two, they may legally be able to actually say that. Oh, yeah, she's a mutant.
0: So while they haven't said that she is a mutant, they haven't, haven't said, said that it. she's not.
1: Exactly. They they changed her last name and uh, ethnicity for just uh, diversity and changing, updating the the comic story. Um, but they kept all of her powers the same, and they have not yet mentioned, you know, the one thing they can't say. But yeah,
2: so. and they may relatively quickly be able to introduce it too in that. We already have Wanda Maximoff in the in the MCU. And they really didn't make much of a point of where she and Quicksilver got their power in the movie they were in. Yeah. So you can introduce relatively easily that somehow now they kind of recognize her as a mutant rather than just
1: have her speak words, change her famous words and just have her say more mutants <laughs> instead of no more mutants and then everything's and done, then everything's done. Yeah, and, then, and then this whole discussion was you know was a waste because <laughs> they could just say it with those words and... but i'm sure whatever <laughs> this this news brought was uh going to be a a good upcoming year and a half of fans like us talking about what's going to happen yeah. while yeah so we'll just have to wait and see um this coming saturday do you want to talk about the news? Okay, yeah. Twenty third.
0: This next Saturday, That's the day before. Uh, the Christmas pen, Eve. the so. penultimate
1: day to Christmas Eve. Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh. So uh, just to bring so back yeah, that's comic what book the 23rd terms. Is. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> the store is having um, a, a little bit of a, a little bit of an after hours party. It's an open invitation. Um, yeah, we're we're going to. Some people I put out on the, the club uh, Facebook page that this would be coming up. Um, but uh yeah we'll we'll mention it here as well. Uh, next Saturday, the twenty third, uh we're we're having a little gathering after hours. Um it's after hours, but if people want to come and buy stuff, we're we're always happy to take <laughs> them on. End. <laughs> Business can always be made. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll have some some snacks and and things like that. Um, I am uh, forcing my wife to make things like fudge and you know, stuff like that. So uh, we'll have some some treats in here, and we're going to have our annual screening of the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> so we will be
1: celebrating Life Day as well for anyone who recognizes Life Day. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> yes, well, we're calling it a Christmas party. It's really a a ho- holiday, um a special <laughs> holiday or holiday special
1: party.
4: Christmas for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Christmukkah if you're a fan of the OC. Oh, there we go. So, combinations uh, regular of regular hours are
0: uh, you know, noon to 5. So, we'll be kicking it off uh after the club wraps up at precisely five (laughs) (laughs) o'clock because we always get done right on time which i
1: was going to (laughs) bring up (laughs) by the way um the club may it it could possibly be a unrecorded session um i have uh with my my retail job it's going to be a busy day and i'm expecting anywhere between three and five that i'm going to be done and making it here um but for everyone else you know feel free to you know continue to go but we may take a pause on the podcast version of it um, just because I'm the one with the computer, so unless you make arrangements, otherwise to get a recorded file that can work too. But that's just a heads up for anyone uh, case things get busy. And there may or may
0: not be a holiday
1: break Cut. for the podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and costumes are optional for the, of the party. Right? Costumes are optional just for uh, any day. Right? <laughs> any day here is costume. Costume optional day. <laughs>
0: Eeyore can make a comeback. <laughs> all yeah. horror costumes, yes, yeah, especially uh, especially if it's a Disney related one, so,
1: which really opens it up, up to, much to everything. <laughs> yeah, because Disney bought Crimson Call, that was part of the deal too, right was... <laughs> No, i was still waiting for that deal to happen. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. <laughs> Um, so yeah that will be happening on Saturday uh, December 23rd so follow the Facebook page to see more information about that as well and spread the word and yeah so I think that will conclude uh, this week's uh, episode slash issue of the comic book club I've been Anthony I am still David
3: I'm Katie
1: I'm Jim
2: I'm always Kurt's dad (laughs) I'm pretty much always other David
1: (laughs) (laughs) to be continued (laughs)
0: <laughs> thanks for listening the Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin for more information visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.